Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town, The Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise dice today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Elizabeth as Princess Gwendolyn, Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano, alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse, Code, and Crown! As soon as you arrive, Shadlock gives you like a, 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 like a strange look, and he sort of storms up to you, and he's like, What did you do with the commander? I just, I look over at Duncan. The captain was eaten by the mage of the Necrotist forces, who is underground manipulating this conflict and has been using necromantic energies to force attacks endlessly to fuel these islands. But he has been defeated. That, that is hard to hear, but it sounds as though the captain in his own way helped, even if it was just to alert you to the presence of this plague mage. Uh, so... Should we assume that the Necrotist forces are, are destroyed now that their plague mage is dead? We can now know that if you shatter the brain of a Necrotist soldier, it will not return. But we have darker secrets that must be shared and must be spread out. Would you rather know first or should we tell the army as one? Um, <clears throat> he, he kind of looks nervous. Again, he's very young, um, if a very old, very young. Um, so he gives it a thought and then he says, it's, uh, it's my responsibility as the sole dawnbreaker in the third to, to give them the news. So, uh, I ask you, Captain, to inform me so I may inform my troops. Friend, this island is fueled by hope. And the mage at the center of it knew 
that forces fighting for the future, the nobility of the third block, the strength of you and the incredible bravery of Captain Rios were an endless wellspring of hope because nothing could break you. So that mage trapped you in an endless cycle of combat that would not end, that could not end, and could fuel the bone spurs and the production of weapons for the Necrotus. However, because the Necrotus had fallen, those weapons were not delivered. There was nowhere to go. They're in a cache underground that we are in the process of destroying. But what that means is your souls have been trapped here in these bodies, and you will live as long as the bone spur mountains unless your brains are destroyed. So there are choices to be made because you have lived and fought the battle of heroes and it has been won. Which is you and these orcs can free yourselves and re be removed from this cycle once we defeat the Necrotus. But be removed from this cycle and go on to the next part of the life or you can stay. And you can live eternally until your brains are destroyed there are gnomes who will remain, and there is the beating heart of this island, which is created from darkness but could be turned to light. And at the same time, it will need defenders. So you can stay here, sworn to defend this island, sworn to help the people who cross it, and sworn to protect both its dark heart and the innocent gnomes who have been trapped here. Or you can be freed. And that will be a choice for yourselves and for the future. Uh, can you roll me a persuasion check, please? Yes, and I would like to use... Uh, it's called braggadocio, but I would like to call this version of it like noble humility, where I think this is just him laying the cards out to someone that he trusts. We could call uh, it like codadocio. It's the yeah. noble version. Oh, I like that a lot. Coda Docio, uh, which gives me advantage on the ne my next charisma-based skill check. So Great. That would be this. <laughs> yeah, that is a nat 20. Ooh. Um, he, um, he, he, like, takes that in and, and really kind of considers it for a moment. Um, and then, uh, but it is only a moment. And then he looks up at you. Uh, and he says, um, I would, uh, I, I joined, I was convinced to join the, the Dawnbreakers by watching the, the heroism of, of Captain Rios, the lengths that Rios Kin Brack went to, to protect, um, those who, who needed him most. Uh, we've always been strong fighters, but there's something to the idea of fighting for something rather than just, just fighting. I would have a request of you. Uh, I will. I will bring this to my men. I personally will stand guard. I will rise to the, the call of the Dawnbreakers. But, I think we could do more good here, not as a fighting unit, a detachment of an army, but as Dawnbreakers. And then he takes off Rios's gauntlet. And he says, "I would ask you to divide this amongst my men and women and swear them in." I know that. I don't know all the codes and I don't know all the rituals, but I feel like if we're wearing these and we, we swear ourselves to a code that's above simply fighting to survive, we can become the guardians of these mountains and make sure that ghost gnomes or not, uh, people who are here, who are innocent, are saved. Fran Shadlock, we're thinking along the same lines. Uh, and I'll clap him on the shoulder and say yes. And for those who are willing to pass on Ask them if they'd like to have one last battle against the Necrotists where we could bring an end to the monsters in the dark. And I'll um, take his gauntlet. Cool. So um, I think pretty easily you're able to, to kind of sort out how to do this. Um, there's not enough copper on it, but you also have the other gauntlet um, from downstairs. So you use those, and I think rather than getting proper bracers, they all get like a bracelet. Um, cool. But it's, it's enough. And as you're starting to realize in this new world... Uh, there might be something to the idea of, of new rituals. Uh, that said, um, the Dawnbreakers all swore an oath to Amalek and Solaris, uh, and you happen to have with you Gwendolyn Kinsolaris, so the decision is made that they will swear their, uh, their fealty and their code uh, to you. Um, Gwendolyn, what are the, the inspirational words you, you give this kind of new unit of Dawnbreakers? 
that will theoretically defend these mountains for the rest of time. Say, Dawnbreakers, you swore an oath. And now I ask you to join in a new way of defending this world, which is to recognize that we are now entering a world and a future of equality. I know that you respect these gnomish people and I ask that you remember that all peoples of this world have value and that what you are doing is protecting a future that will benefit all kinds on this world. And your sacrifice will be remembered forever. Um, they all kind of um, raise their uh, their sort of like wristlets and um, sort of like uh, put them to to their foreheads uh, in the the way of their their orcish unit um, and uh, swear. Uh, I guess basically like a, an oath to equality and to to protecting the the vision of the Dawnbreakers in this new world. Um, and then Chadlock turns around and is like. All right, that's enough of the mushy stuff. We've got uh, we got fighting to do. So uh, grab your weapons. Uh, we'll await you, Duncan, on uh, on your command. We'll uh, retake the field, and then we can make some some hard calls about who wants to stay and who wants to go. But know that before we do any of that, that at the very least, as the sun goes down on this day, that you are all dawnbreakers. Now form up, and they all like go and and um, form ranks. So Duncan and Gwendolyn, you have a, a moment alone, uh, kind of before the battle. Uh, Duncan, is there anything you want to, or Gwendolyn, do you have anything to say to each other? You don't necessarily have to. I'm just giving you the space. Um, thank you for your your wise counsel, Duncan. I really hate this. Which part of it? There's a lot going on. All of it. I don't hate saving the gnomes. No, I just wish this old everything wasn't such shit. Um, That's valid. To your surprise, you hear a multi-voice speak out of the shadows um, and uh, say, that is something I believe we all wish, that this world was slightly less shit. Um, and out of the, the kind of shadows behind the vault steps... Um, a necrotist elf um, who has an odd sort of bump on her skull uh, where it seems another skull has been affixed and she raises both of her hands in a clear gesture of like no killy um, she has a dagger but she like drops it um, and uh, she kind of like chuckles which is a really weird sound to hear with multiple voices um, all at once she says um I must confess, I came here to kill the little one, and she points at Shadlock as he kind of walks away. Uh, we'd hoped that killing their commander would stop the constant assaults, but I have to ask, did you mean what you just said? That all are equal? Or that all have value? Well, of course. Even Necrotus? That depends on the crimes that have been committed and the recompense that must be paid. E equality does not mean that all are treated exactly the same. I understand. It means that the same rules and laws apply to all. Fair enough. So... Do those who seek peace deserve war? This is very metaphysical right now. Are you it's seeking peace? quite literal, I'm afraid. Those what who seek of, peace deserve what? a conversation. I would agree. Hmm. Yes. 
I would want to know what your version of peace would look like. Uh, so she just kind of nods and seems to be making a kind of a hard decision. She says, um, I would ask you to come with me and to see something. And if your opinion has not changed after you've seen what I can show you, you are free to lead your troops against mine tomorrow. But I do ask that if you truly believe that peace is worth considering, that you come and see what I have to show you. All right. So, uh, Duncan, whether you like it or not, you're riding shotgun on this as Gwendolyn kind of leads you out um, with the elf. Uh, and the two of you make your way in a circular way, kind of... I think you, you shout an order to Shadlock to, like, stand by but be real ready. Um, you, get a, you get a hoorah from that, um, and they, uh, the, the orcs are getting psyched up. You're led around the, uh, the valley uh, and back into the camp that, uh, of course, they were unaware that you were ever in. Um, and... Um, she kind of like brings you to the edge of the camp um, and she points to the, the structures that have been built and she says, uh, this is our home. This is what we built for ourselves when we left the Necrotis. We came here somewhere far remote and away and dangerous to try and live quietly and peacefully away from Asher's hordes. We knew the Dark Lord would not find us here. And so we came to make a life for ourselves. But then the orcs came, and they attacked, and they destroyed, and they knocked us down and cut us apart, over and over and over. And then she kind of gestures to the shed, the medical shed, and she says, we're, we're running out of supply parts. Those of us who are left will not last much longer. So if you truly believe in equality and you truly believe in peace, I beg you, Stop these aggressors from destroying us. So, Duncan, I, I, I guess some sort of parlay. Well, first ambassador, order? it looks like it's time for you to organize your first peace talks amongst the Alliance of Equality. <laughs> Right. Let's, let's go. Can we get to some neutral, neutral location? I mean, traditionally, okay. we would just choose the center of the valley, set up a table. I can bring Shadlock. You bring this elf, assuming you speak for the Necrotis. All right, so this you one, come... This one was called Vanna. You come with no weapons. I'll bring Shadlock with no weapons. I'll keep weapons, so if anybody cheats, then I'm honor-bound to kill whoever shows the fuck up, no matter whose side they're on. So your people ambush, I kill them. Shadlock's people ambush, I kill them. We can have a conversation run by the princess. This one does appreciate how willing you are to kill both sides if either of us attempt to fuck you. That yeah, weirdly really... brings me a great sense of relief. I don't like it, but it's the only way that this works. No, I mean that honestly. I apologize. We excretists are not great at expressing uh, sarcasm or honesty. It is difficult. Our emotions were drained by the powers of the Dark Lord long ago. All that going to say, your sense of fairness is appreciated. All right, Thumbs I'll, up. I'll go get Shadlock. Princess, you bring a table. I'll get paper or something. <laughs> All right, Vanna, let's... So we got a table. We, uh, <laughs> as uh, as the sun rises um, the next morning, uh, Maka, you you make your way down to to meet the, these two groups. Um, Gwendolyn brings Vanna. Uh, Duncan brings um, Shadlock, and uh, and for, I bring Maka and like catch him up. Yeah, and I probably yeah. bring um, Peachtree and Vivaldi because they're also sure. security, but they need to weigh in on this. They're also a faction. Yeah. Um, would you have Vivaldi rig the table? Um, no, because I think that I don't trust anybody to not fuck with it, so I yep. can't have anybody know, yeah. and then I could blow up friends. It's not great. 
We got to sure. stay honest, even though it's risky. So, yeah. um, for the very first time in the history of Gren, uh, a peace talk occurs uh, between a, a former necrotist and a ghost orc. Um, so, Shadlock sits down and is just like clearly enraged, but keeping it under control. Uh, he's definitely trying to do the like young man who's also signed up to be like an important Dawnbreaker guy. So he's trying to like carry himself the way Rios did, but he's not doing a great job. Um, and Vanna, who who seems um, kind of nonplussed by the whole thing, uh, I think if you're undead and you get stitched back together and fight eternally over and over and over again at infinitum, you kind of the prospect of getting remurdered isn't exactly. The stakes are low, yeah. The stakes are low, um, and there's also just no emotion in it anymore. It's just a it's a fact fact of the matter. Um, right. So, how would you like to manage these these talks? Um, Shadlock is currently uh, keyed up to believe this is a trap and that uh, the Necrotists must be destroyed because they've been fighting them for a thousand years. Um, None of you have met Necrotists before. None of you know if this is uh, real. There's definitely no records of, of Necrotist defectors. That sounds insane. Um, however, um, you do note that, uh, Maka at least, that they do still feel connected to a separate cluster. Um, and you sense there was no connection between them and the Conductor. The Conductor seems to have been tied to um, the, the spirits, but not to the Necrotist defectors. Yeah, that would be enough having heard that from Maka for Duncan to push for there to be like a legitimate good old college try because uh, we'd have to trust people. And I think if we imagine like essentially a four sided table, there's like Shadlock, Excretus, Gnomes, us hosting talk because the Gnomes yeah. are a faction no one was aware of, but they would also have to agree to this whole thing. So if we're going to create a democratic island, sure. that'd be the function. Um, I'm also happy to just call these guys X's um, because Excretus sounds a little too close to Excretus. But um, but uh, yeah, so uh, you've got the X's on one side, you've got the Dawnbreakers on the other, and then the two of you kind of dealing dealing with stuff. Um, okay, so basically, I was gonna say, do you want each of us to add like what we think yes. as our character should be part of the talk so we can build it do. that way? I think Duncan's requirement would be laying out the things that everyone needs to agree to as like the necessary for peace, which is so ground rules on a functional agreement is we all have to agree that people who can leave the island can be allowed to die. We have to agree that the seed weapons are all destroyed. And we have to agree that this weapon cannot fall into enemy hands. This has to be protected by you for eternity even if it's at the cost of your own lives. And anyone who will survive to defend here has to agree to those terms. That is key to this piece. Uh, uh, and I will gesture to Maka, or how, however you want to feel. Roll, roll the dice, sir. Great. Uh, and you can use your, your Cododocio. Great, yeah, because that's, uh, that's my last my last swashing point for the day. It's a new day. No, we're counting it as one thing. All right, fine. Yeah, uh, that is a dirty 20. All right. Uh, Maka, you're observing um, people who technically are an aberration. The Necrotists are theoretically yeah. like opposed. That said, the fact that they seem to be functioning and part of a cycle of some sort is altering that worldview slightly. Um, I would also take a, if you don't have something you think you'd be contributing directly to the conversation, you can also try and ascertain more about them. Um, I think that would be more the direction I'm leaning in because this the, it's it doesn't make a huge difference to Maka um, how this peace talk goes. Um, if they stay on this island they're never going to die. They're no longer contributing to the cycle. Um, war for the cycle is kind of like an accelerant, um, yep. you know, huge, huge death toll. And then the cluster kind of feeds on that. And then civilization and people feed on the cluster in terms of like sowing fields and things like that. Yep. Uh, like it, it is, it's like, it's zooming in too finely on the details when Maka tends to 
appreciate the grander scheme. Yep, understood. So it's not terribly, maybe not interesting isn't the right word, but it, it's just it doesn't seem to concern him terribly. I understand. That he yeah, has it, a say, it, right? Yeah. It's like, do what you got want to do. Uh, so, but I think learning more about the Necrotists would definitely pique his interest a little more what because did we, of the undeath. What did we decide your cluster rules were? Was that nature? Uh, yeah, I think that was nature. Let me have a quick look. Um, nature is... Are we looking for, like, what I would have, like, a good role on kind of thing? Or uh, I'm looking at what, what when you reach out to the cluster, what role do you think would be appropriate for that? I think we decided nature. I think but... it was nature. Nature and religion are interchangeable stat-wise, because they're both uh, int, so. Great, okay. And there's no, um, and they're both proficient, so. So go ahead and, and roll a check with whatever proficiency that is, or whatever right. bonus that is. I um, think because we're talking more philosophically, like ideas and things like that, I'll go, I'll go religion. Okay. Uh, so that was a good roll. That's a uh, twenty-one. Oh shit! Yeah. Um, so you kind of reach out to the cluster, uh, and also I think you you kind of um, reach out with your spores, um, and you're shocked to find that your spores are essentially communicating with the necrotis spores, uh, which is when you realize that the Necrotis army seems to be spore-based. Dum-dums and dice would like to welcome you into a world of darkness and vampires with Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast featuring Ryan LaPlante as the gangster Ridley Beef, Tyler Hewitt as the conflicted detective Everett Fry, and Megan Miles as the poet Iris Dunn with storyteller Tom McGee. Join these newly turned vampires as they try to take control of Montreal. But all is not as it seems, and as their humanity slowly slips away, they are forced into increasingly dangerous situations as the streets of the city run red with blood and sticky with syrup. Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. New episodes available weekly. Ah, ah, ah. Very, very interesting. They aren't yours. You've never seen them before, but they are spore-based. Now, that would immediately have um, Maka asking questions like, I, I don't think Maka claims sort of like ownership mm -hmm. over the spores, right? It's like he is part of something, yep. but it's not his. Um, so he would immediately be wondering like, why have I been excluded from this network if it's... Spores. Why? Why? I thought the cluster was far-reaching and all-encompassing. Why is there um, like an exclusivity going on? Um, and that would maybe even hurt him a little bit to be like, mm -hmm. I thought I understood this thing. Yeah. Um, I think maybe you ask like one of the other exes, um, but they're they're completely confused and have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. Um, so this is perhaps a, a mystery worth investigating, but uh, the unfortunate thing is uh, the necrotist himself would have the answer to this, not the right armies under his the drones almost. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so that's your bit for this. So it doesn't actually affect the peace talks. It's just a thing you've learned, yeah. uh, Gwendolyn. Um, I think. Um because Gwendolyn's made statements about like fairness and all the rules apply, I think she'd see her role as ensuring that um, equal space is given mm -hmm. to each party to speak, and that there um, she kind of kind of like a moderator, like at a debate, like kind of tries to stem any personal attacks or any emotions getting out of hand and just be mm -hmm. like trying to keep everything at a civil discussion. So can you go ahead and roll me a persuasion check and add Duncan's modifier? Ooh. What you got? Plus five for persuasion. Eight. Eight. Um, okay, so the talks are actually stranger than any of you anticipated, largely because the exes are the most vehement proponents of destroying the viral weapons and ensuring that Necrotus or any other force never 
gets their hands on it. They are also uh, shocked to learn that um, um, Asher was defeated and that the Necrotist forces no longer exist. Um, they're very, they're overjoyed um, with with that news, um, and it takes everyone aback. But particularly Shadlock is quite taken aback by this, uh, to a point that he's kind of still pro. We got to destroy these guys. That you know, all Necrotist forces must be wiped out, and if there's any chance that anyone could recapture um, the abilities that the Necrotist himself had, like we can't leave that to chance. Um, but weirdly, the the X's seem quite content to to pick up the the sort of call to arms that you'd given uh, the third block, Duncan. They they are happy to defend the the mountains. They're happy to try and keep people safe. They have no interest in further conflict, uh, unless anyone is suggesting that the viral weapons are kept alive, in which case they'll fight to the last person to stop them. So. Uh, unfortunately, though, Gwendolyn, with your role, um, Shadlock is is speaking over this, and it's old rhetoric. Uh, it's from the war days, but he's very vehement. Like we must destroy these things. They are not. They're not people. They're not creatures. They must go. It is the duty of the Dawnbreakers to destroy the Necrotis. So, how do you want to resolve this? Shadlock. Oh, good lord. <laughs> I see... I see that these feelings that you have towards these people are deeply felt within you, yes? Yes, we've been fighting them for a thousand years to prevent the spread of the Necrotists. Once again, can you imagine the war beginning again? I know that it's not from your time, but, but the world the was... But the Necrotist is dead. The spread has ceased. Let's see if he believes you. Oh, he does, because he's honor-bound, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, he seems not happy about it, but begrudgingly accepts. It is also, again, one of those weird things where it's like they, they both these sides have been fighting a war that hasn't happened for a long time, but they have been convinced mm -hmm. was still very much right. in situ. Shadlock and also consider there was a mage of the Necrotis mass-producing weapons fueling this conflict, and that mage was not aligned with these forces. There was nothing to gain. If these yeah. people had wanted you doomed, they would have had you cold. And in hearing kind of the, the, the rest of the tale, it seems that the, the exes came here first. Um, they, they arrived after the Bone Spurs existed, so the Bone Spurs sprung out of the ground. But before the third block showed up, before uh, Rios was dispatched, um, they basically moved in during the war and hid, uh, which is how they were spotted years later by the scouts who then reported to Rios, who then... Uh, to the Dawnbreakers who were then sent sent in. So they've honestly, they've been disconnected from um, the Necrotists for quite some time um, and had no idea there was an evil man downstairs making weapons. Mm. That actually would have scared the shit out of them and they likely would have tried to kill him. They just weren't aware that was a thing. Uh, I'd also like to say to, to Shadlock, um, I know that as a soldier... Your, your goal is to defeat your enemy. But know that you now swore an oath to me and represent me. And the point of war should be to eventually find peace. And although you did not get your final glorious battle of victory, know that peace is a far greater victory than defeat and destruction. He uh, he kind of nods his head, and also like a lot of the soldiers are nodding their heads. Um, again, these are all career fighters, so they all yeah. kind of get that. Um, and he says, uh, "Your Highness, your your words uh, ring true." And uh, I apologize as a 
young old man, I often forget that the the goal of these actions is not to continue them, but to end them. Um, and so he uh, he kind of reaches across the table uh, to Vanna, who kind of looks vaguely confused at the hand, and then kind of like remembers, oh right, that's that's a thing that mortals do. Um, so she reaches across, and um, peace comes to the Bone Spurs. Um, the orcs, and there's only two of them who decide not to remain, um, say their farewells, and kind of wander off to watch a final sunset uh, before being unplugged. Um, but collectively, they, the, all the remaining group, the entire remaining group decides that um, they, they need to have a, a sense of uniformity. So now that the bone spurs don't grow back, uh, they shave some of the, the sort of essentially bone dust off uh, the mountain, and the, the Necrotus forces rub it into their armor, and the third block rubs it into theirs, so they all become kind of a uniform gray. And uh, together they decide uh, that collectively they will defend the Bone Spurs, and weirdly and kind of very nicely, uh, you actually see some admittedly one-sided tearful reunions um, as the third block are reunited with some of their, their friends who died before the effects of the uh, conductor were fully felt and who became Necrotus in death. Uh, although they are new and different, there is, um, there is recognition and familiarity. And uh, slowly they, they begin to make plans for how to spread out across the mountains now that there's no longer a central anchor and to, to explore them. Uh, your last day in the Bone Spurs uh, comes after a, an admittedly very difficult trek across them. Um, there are moments of great levity, but there are also moments of, of tremendous uh, difficulty and terror. Um, you lose people. Uh, and you know they'll come back somewhere, but they aren't there. Um, but most of the gnomes make it through. And finally, uh, after about a week's worth of travel, you come out the other side. And you see a coast lined with green trees with a slight hint of frost on them. Um, and beyond them, uh, in the distance, a continent um, that is, is green and teeming with life. Um, you make your way down the, the mountains um, and finally arrive uh, on the west shore of the Bone Spurs, having become the first group to ever successfully traverse the site. Um, and, uh, the, the gnomes thank you and, um, celebrate, uh, there's a, there's a great celebration, a great party, uh, and they begin to create, um, essentially a trading post, a new village here. Peachtree and Vivaldi are already set to go back. Now that they've done it once, they've got some great fucking ideas about how to make this much smoother. Um, and, uh, up in the, the peaks of the mountains, uh, you can see two gray armored, um, people beginning to set up uh, an overwatch station uh, to make sure those on the coast are safe. Um, the, uh, the gnomes are incredibly grateful. Um, the, the two surviving Danver brothers, uh, the brother and the cousin, or I guess the brother and his son actually would probably make the most sense. Uh, so Damon and Gregor uh, are overjoyed and, and promise you like, next time you come back, they're going to have some great textiles for you. Um, and, uh, Gregor actually, um, goes and, uh, sort of like looks through the crates and, um, comes back over to you, Duncan, and says, um, pardon me, Sir Dawnbreaker, but I recall you mentioning uh, during our travels that you were in search of more iron silk. Uh, we don't have much. These are just a pair of gloves, but, uh, perhaps if you add them to what you have and more you can find, you might be able to make a truly impressive textile. Uh, and he gives you, uh, they're gnomish gloves. They're very small. I want to make very clear that you do <laughs> not have a suit of this. Yeah, they're little kitty gloves. Um, but um, he gives you um, two kind of little kitty gloves uh, made of iron silk that you can add to your kind of growing bolt of fabric, as it were. Um, Sire gnome. This is not required, but it is greatly appreciated. Know that this means a great deal to me. Well, we... Did hire you to help us across the mountains, and though it took a somewhat different route than we expected, you did indeed help us across the mountains. Um, 
over the course of uh, your your climb and your uh, sort of like the amount of time you've spent with these gnomes, um, you've come to learn a lot about Eastmouth and about um, gnomish society, at least where, where these gnomes are from. Um, so I'm going to say that uh, all of you, well, actually, it's probably Maka who's the most inquisitive. Although, Duncan, you're also kind of a um, a learner type. Ah, fuck it. Duncan's I'll just very about, yeah, like culture and language so, are his Duncan, big keys. Duncan, uh, you now speak gnomish. Oh, dope. Um, and uh, Gwendolyn, uh, I'm going to say that you now have advantage on history checks about gnomish culture. Because uh, I think as someone who spent a lot of her life learning about other customs and cultures in a royal sense, that I think that's where your brain would go. It's just like, mm -hmm. I need to learn your customs and, and your rituals. Um, and I will also apply that to if you need to kind of... There's not a role for courtly manners, but I think we might add one. So if you want to add a line on your... Your sheet. Ooh. Uh, so you it's like currently advantage you have, on performance gnomish court. Yeah, it's like persuasion or, or performance gnomish court. Uh, you also have it for human court, most assuredly. Okay. Um, and uh, also for the uh, consortium of Bleen, because they he, you would have been briefed on that prior to the all of this. Uh, and cool. uh, Maka, uh, I'm going to give you um, uh, gnomish religion. So I think you learn about kind of their their beliefs. They don't sync with yours at all because there's gods and shit, which seems very strange. Because, like, you get Jossie, but Jossie's kind of almost like a manifestation of the cluster, not its its own thing. Whereas the gnomes are really into the idea of, like, no, they're six, and they're very good. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just gives you some, some better perspective on that. That said, uh, Eastmouth sounds pretty small. It's a small town... Um, and all of these gnomes are, are from there. They, they aren't tremendously worldly, so the greater world is still a bit of a mystery. But at least now you're familiar with a small corner of it. Um, so um, Peachtree and Vivaldi, um, thank you both um, kind of for, for your help and for, for freeing them from the infinite frustration of trying to get through a mountain. Uh, Vivaldi in particular uh, was kind of losing his mind because every one of his plans would have worked. Uh, and the mountains allowed him to get just far enough to think they would before forcing him back. So that he can now actually blast through them and succeed is muy bueno. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the gnomes begin to kind of set up camp um, and uh, they, um, they kind of uh, wish they could send you away with more, but they don't really have that much. Um, and uh, Similar to the other side, uh, there are broken boats along uh, along the coast here. Um, but uh, with kind of a mix of their ingenuity and yours, um, there's one that looks salvageable. Uh, it looks like the people who, who crashed here um, likely went into the mountains and are likely part of the Necrotus force now. But Or were used up by the uh, the conductor over time. Because to be clear, not everyone who's on the mountain is present in the people you've met. Uh, there are others around, and there are others that were used up over time. Um, so you're able to get um, a, a, a vaguely sea, seafaring ship together, but luckily you can see the, the continent, uh, you can see the wooden coast on the horizon, so it's not as far a trip as it was from Orvel. Uh, you have a chance to say your final farewells to uh, the gnomes. Um, is there anything you'd like to do or say? I think, unfortunately for Maka, because they've chosen to remove themselves from the cycle and stay on the island, there's a little bit of, like, disappointment there yep. and a That's little fair. bit of shunning. So I don't think he has any fond words for them. He's sure. like, he won't be like, I will come back and kill you or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's ready to go. Understood. Yeah. This has been kind of a, a sour note to end it on but he's yeah he wants yep. to go i understand i think uh, quietly on the last night without maka or even gwendolyn knowing duncan would take vivaldi and peachtree and he would lead them kind of in the night over let's just say for the sake of coherency the two gray figures that he sure, saw yep. building that were shadlock and was it valena what was the uh, name of that vana the leader of the exes uh, and he will take them 
when the moon is high in the sky in that like crescent shape of Jassy to somewhere with like a, a, a small body of water that it can reflect in. Um, and he will tell them all to kneel uh, and he will produce what he has had that gnome sister make. Yep. That she was the one who did the engraving. Yep, Sheila. Uh, and he, yeah, he has a series of very, very cheap, it might not even be copper, they're just the metals that were had. Uh, and he has bracers that he's made for all four of them. Uh, and on one bracer, he has had the solar symbol with Jossie mixed into the center of the sun. Uh, and on the other is just an outline of the bone spurs. Mm. Uh, and and he will tell them to kneel. And he will say, it has been a long time since there have been dawnbreakers. And there are many who have apprenticed themselves over these days. But you four are the ones who have stepped forward and truly been brave. Vivaldi, you dance with danger on behalf of others. And you have made sacrifices and you know you will sacrifice yourself to a cause. And that is a Dawnbreaker's greatest strength. Because when we take the oaths, we acknowledge that we have already fallen in the battle against evil. It is merely about the good that we can do. And that means ultimately... Your body bleeds for crown and code. I name you Vivaldi Kendano. For that is the code that will echo strongest with you. Shadlock, you have fought long and you have fought hard and you have fought a battle that cannot be won and you have striven with nobility through the whole thing. And ultimately it is your fury that has created a braver future for your men and women and for the people around you. And that means your wrath undoes the wicked, which means like Rios before you, you will be named Shadlock Ken Brack, for that is your strongest oath. Peachtree. The thing I love about the Dawnbreakers is we don't all fit a mold and you don't really fit any mold. You're kind of insane, but you're strong. And ultimately, that strength is what you've used to protect your fellow gnomes. Because your strength protects the weak. And that means I name you Peach Tree Kin Kev. For that will be your strongest oath. And lastly, Vanna of the Excretus. You came forward to seek priests knowing it could cost you your own life. You risk everything to find a new future for your people. And that means that your love defends your friends. I name you Vana Kinchev, and I name all four of you captains of the Dawnbreakers. You will share command here democratically, and you will uphold the five oaths. If you agree to these names and these charges, repeat after me. Uh, and and they do. Yeah, uh, they, 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 they repeat their five oaths, uh, should, should I say them, Tom? Should we save these like for to? future? It doesn't matter. I think there's fun in that here. I think this is a good one. Right. Give me them yeah. oaths. So the first oath is my strength protects the wicked, or protects the weak. Not the wicked. Shit. <laughs> I haven't done the ceremony. Uh, We're bad guys. Yeah. My wrath undoes the wicked, which they repeat. My love defends my friends, which they repeat. My body bleeds for crown and code. Um, the final oath my service ends when justice, the Lord of Blades, takes me. They all chuckle at that one, but then repeat it. Because, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, or in this case, when the island blows up. But you get the point. Uh, Vivaldi, Vivaldi's like... Uh, and he has to speak in English because he, he doesn't want to... Or common, rather, don't want to offend anyone. He's like, uh, do not worry, friends. Uh, I will name the blasting powder I put in the heart of the mountain, the Lord of Blades. So, if it explodes, the Lord of Blades get for us, huh? <laughs> I really like him. So, in case your, your men or your women or your followers have any questions about those oaths, uh, I've actually carved them inside all of your right forearm copper so you can review. I know this is a yep. lot. So, everyone starts to look, uh, except for Vana, who's just kind of staring straight at you, being like, one of the joys of being one of the many is they all know. Wonderful. Uh, make your choices by those and know that your oaths don't just bind you to each other. 
They bind you to us and us to you. Call when you must. And I, oh, the first captain of the Dawnbreakers, will come. Uh, and then they all say, oh. so say we all. Um, and then, like, yeah. Peachtree splashes water on her face, and she's like, oh, sorry, I thought that was part of it. Uh, it's really refreshing if you want to try. Well, I wanted there to be a symbolism because you'd all fought under the sun and there's the reflection of the moon, which is just... Oh, it, it's dead good. I just thought it would be a refreshing way to end it. Everybody splash water on your face uh, and we all just do it. <laughs> We're just going to work this in. Um, this is fine. Yeah. Vana is just like sitting there kind of confused and then Shadlock kind of grins and splashes her. And for a second she looks like kind of like confused and, and offended. Um, and then the the sort of skull makeup on what was left of her face just kind of like gradually streaks down uh, and she kind of looks into the pool and she says ah fun this one remembers fun uh, and then she splashes Shadlock and the, the yeah, four so we of have you a splash fight. Have, have like a, a, a small splash fight but also um, Duncan for the first time it's it's there's a camaraderie there in this kind of silly goofy moment at the end of this incredibly solemn ceremony um, where you actually feel the kinship that you thought you would feel when you joined the Dawnbreakers. Because the stories tell of, of friends who had each other's backs, and it's, you know, it's classic musketeer stuff, like, you know, friends through the dark times and, and the good and everything else. And weirdly, with uh, an ex-Necrotist soldier, a gnomish explorer, a dwarven master blaster, and an orcish fighter you somehow find the companionship you sought amongst your human friends and for the first time you actually feel like a dawnbreaker um and then uh gradually the the sound of la laughter subsides and i think um the five of you just kind of sit almost in like uh, a meditative pose and just consider the water and consider the moonlight and what that means and um Kind of what the the enormity, but also the companionship that you you've embraced um, by taking this oath, Gwendolyn. <clears throat> what do you do, kind of amongst the gnomes? Um. Uh, I think uh, Gwendolyn is incredibly awkward about this. Um, just like, all right, well, um, thanks for all your support. And your help getting us over the mountain. I mean, we all did it as a team. And you're all part of an alliance of equals now. So if anyone has brings you trouble, they can take it up with me. And we're, we're all in this together. Yay! And they kind of go, yay! And then they have like a little chuckle because they can tell that you're having a tremendously awkward time with this. Uh, and then they kind of go back right. to their, um, their partying. Um, and uh, you, you kind of, I think, go and sit on a, a log and kind of look out over the water. You can see Maka preparing the boat. Um, and then um, a little girl comes up to you, a little girl gnome. And um, she kind of, like, taps your armor. Hello. <laughs> um, hi there, uh, your highness. And she tries to curtsy, but she doesn't really know what she's doing. So it's like, it's somehow much, it makes more sense than the courtly ones. Because it's literally just someone being like, I guess I do this. And it's like, well, actually, that... That is better than, you know, touch your head four times and bow. Um, and she's like, um, so I heard that you don't have a body anymore. Is that true? Well, I mean, this is my body. Yeah, no. I, the, one, the thing that you just tapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Because, like, um, my mom's said that I don't have a body anymore either, but that this is my body now and that that's okay. Uh, and then I got a little bit scared and a little bit sad, but they told me that you don't have a body either, that you have this new body and that that one's good too. So, um, I just, I, I need to ask, is it okay to have a new body and to not have your old body anymore? Oh, oh, uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, my old body's gone, but I'm still the same person. Do you miss it? Sometimes I do. Actually, a lot of the time I do. And you know what? That's okay. Can I ask you something? Yes. And she like does that little kid like whisper in your ear thing where it's like cupped hands. She's yeah. like, how do you eat? And I just whisper back. I'm like, I don't. 
She's like, she's like, that's awesome. I'm going to go tell all my friends. Um, thank you. That's, that's nice to know. Uh, I, I'm glad you're our queen or something. Okay, bye. Uh, and then she like trips over a log. And then gets up and like dusts herself off and like runs back to join, uh, join the rest of them. And uh, you just kind of have a moment watching uh, the, the waves roll in under kind of the moon of, of Jossie. Of, um, just kind of quiet reflection, having literally now left both your, your body and your world behind. But uh, weirdly, having brought peace to a place that never would have encountered it otherwise. Um, finally, uh, the ship is ready, the oaths have been spoken, the code has been upheld, and uh, it's time to leave. So the three of you pile into the, uh, the small boat, um, and uh, Maka, as you remember seeing people do kind of back in the swamp days, you have like a long uh, pole that you fashioned out of uh, various sticks and things. Uh, you kind of push off from the shore, and um, they, you begin kind of pushing towards... Uh, Towards the out into the open waters where your kind of jury rigged sail will will take wind, um, and uh, all of you have kind of one one last moment staring back at the shore, uh, Maka, um, a place that has brought you more discomfort and disquiet than than you've had in in some time, uh, Duncan, a place where you've actually found the true code of the Dawnbreakers upheld and and enacted uh, in spite of absurd odds. And uh, Gwendolyn, the, the first place uh, that you've ever brought peace to, which wasn't something you ever expected to get to do as a member of the Orvalian court, because that was your kingdom. And it was never at war because it was in the sky. Uh, so <laughs> yep. you've weirdly managed to accomplish in a span of two weeks what no ruler in Orvel has done since Amala Kinsolaris, uh, and actually ruled. Um, and, well, I was flying by the seat of my pants, and I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> uh, and with that kind of sentiment in, in your hearts, uh, the, the three of you push on to the wooden coast. Meanwhile, as the, the moon hangs high above uh, the Bonespur Mountains, now at peace for the first time in centuries, um, Vana Kinchev, I believe you gave her... That would be yes. That's, that's have, the one. Yeah. Um, is uh, assisting um, uh, Shadlock in just kind of putting the finishing touches on the base for their kind of first tower, and they've agreed to set up these watchtowers kind of along both both coasts of of the mountains to basically def- like turn people back who aren't ready for them and to to assist people in landing. Um, Shadlock is an excited puppy and is thrilled to be have his own gauntlet and keeps. Whenever he thinks Vana isn't looking, uh, looking inside and just um, speaking the words quietly to himself, um, he tried not to let anyone see the tears in his eyes when he was named um, Kinbrack. Uh, he actually doesn't know much about Umar Kinbrack, but he certainly knows about Rios and has taken it more as his name than the originators. Vana, on the other hand, um, is very careful to keep her sleeve down. Um, because uh, soon after uh, the the new newly minted captains of uh, the Dawnbreakers parted ways, um, she felt uh, an intense sort of pain and itching on on her wrist where the the gauntlet was. And now with the moon starting to be sort of hidden behind clouds as the, the evening drags on, um, she rolls up her sleeve and observes the gauntlet where the symbol of Jossie has been eaten away and burned. This episode of Curse, Code, and Crown Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse, Code, and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc, Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGee TD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! 
Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.